So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Hey, what's up, ladies and gents? How you going? Hope you're doing well. I'm, we're running the late, a, a day late today. I've just been down in Gippsland for a couple of days. I, I hadn't visited my mum for a, a couple of weeks. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to be a good son and head down and, and show her I still love her, especially with Christmas just around the corner. She's always usually a guarantee for a pretty good present. So you have to start putting in the in the groundwork around, <laughs> around this time of the year. Otherwise, Christmas Day comes and you got a, you got a rubbish gift. So um, some people call that manipulative. I call it tactical. It's more of a, it's just a strategy that's been really helpful since I moved out of home uh, a long time ago now, which it's a, it's a blatant lie. That's not why we went down at all. My wife said to me a couple of weeks ago, babe, you want to go down to Gippsland for the weekend? I said, babe, you know what? There's not much else planned, so let's let's do it. I just tried to manipulate it into me getting what I wanted for Christmas, but it's good. It's interesting going back down to stay with your family as well. I'm 34 now, and it's a it's funny. I've lived out of home for for nearly 16 years, and it's weird when you get back to a back to your home life a little bit because like my mum's 64, the best woman in the world. But mum, I'm I'm her boy. You know what I mean. In her head, I'm 12, <laughs> which is in some senses is fantastic because it means I don't cook, I don't do my washing. There's no cleaning that needs to be done. It's just hey, go down there and relax. I've got a son now, so I go, babe, mum, you've done all this before. Like show us how you used to do it, which you see straight through. But it's a strategy for me to try and get a little bit more downtime so I can go outside and work on my tan with that sun shining. But it's a, it's a really interesting dynamic. It's an interesting dynamic because she's not my boss anymore. Do you know? She's not my, I got a wife, <laughs> I got a wife that, that tells me how things should be done more effectively, which is, which is good. Um, yeah, but it's, uh, it's very interesting. It's interesting just how the dynamic changes because, because like when you grow up with a, so I grew up, I grew up predominantly with my mum. My dad and uh, my mum split up when I was like two years old and uh, my dad's an absolute legend, mum's an absolute legend, but for each other, not the right setup. And uh, so I grew up, I grew up just with mum. And, and in my eyes, growing up, it was like, all right, whatever mum says goes. And then you live out of home for 16 years, you go back down there, and she starts speaking about ideas. You go, wait, what? <laughs> really? Is that, have you, have you always believed, is that me or you who's changed? Anyway, her cooking's still fantastic, though. That's one thing that, that has changed, but it's only improved. So that was a, that was a massive plus. I'm not a big fan of cooking. Jessie, Jessie's not a huge fan of cooking either. So for her to get a little bit of downtime away from that, um, she missed her Thermomix. We accidentally lit, left like a, a whole heap of different slices and cakes and stuff from the Thermomix in the fridge. So that was that was a difficult little experience for a couple of days while we were down in Trelgan. But um, i tell you what, Susie Davidson, she's a good cook. And here's the, here's the best side of the thing. So pretty much my whole family, they live in, a, they live in Gippsland in a place called Trelgan. And down in Trelgan, there's um, we've got we've got my mum, we've got my dad, we've got uh, my grandparents or my dad's grandparents. Mum's grandparents used to be there, but uh, rest in peace. And uh, Yugoslavian is the is the is the heritage, is the ancestry on my dad's side of the family. So we go up there, and and Nanny Mill she brings out she brings out some of the most amazing, I don't know what they're called, oven dishes. I'm I'm pretty sure is I don't really like raw egg, but she puts this like you know when you do undercooked egg. And it's a little bit too gooey. She's the, actually, I was going to say she's the only person who I'll eat undercooked eggs from, but it's it's not true. I sort of scraped it to the side on the weekend. But she's got these lentil dishes going on, and a little bit of chorizo. I'm apparently like close to a vegetarian, and then I I, I play that game where oh whoa, I accidentally ate the chorizo because it's so good in her meals. So I tell you, I'm in bulk phase at the moment. You can't tell because I probably haven't committed to it hard enough. Uh, I've got until the end of January to actually. Uh, hit my target weight of 80 kilos. Otherwise, I owe my mate Shane. Well, they call him the champ. I call him the champ. Well, he calls himself the champ, but he's done it for so long that it's <laughs> it's just rubbed off into my uh, into my vocabulary. So so I owe the champ 500 bucks if I, if I don't put on some weight by the end of January, which is tough because I'm not at the gym at the moment because um, I explained all that to you before. I didn't know how to take it at the start when my gym owner said, hey, I need to see your vaccine passport for you to come in. At the start, I just said, well, I was honest with him. I said, "Mate, I don't, I don't want to show you." <laughs> and then, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that right now because I told you guys I don't, I don't want to show people where I stand with all that. I don't want to tell you if I'm vaxxed or if I'm not. I just want to show you the ID and you do, you do as you please with it. So, um, 
Why did I start talking about that just then? Oh, bulking. Yeah, yeah, bulk phase. So I've only got, well, I've got two months and I've still got about a kilo and a half to to put on. Uh, so so Nanny Mills helped me there a little bit. I need to, I need to run less. See, I, I, get, I get excited and I start going out for runs like Sunday morning. I hadn't been for a run all week. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to chuck on a podcast or chuck on an audio book in that instance. And I just, I went out for like 45 minutes, went for a 10K run, just cruised around the streets of Gippsland. And uh, it was one of those ones where it got into a nice little vibe. The, the, the legs felt good. The breathing felt good. It was nice to, to run around a new place. The book that I was listening to was good. I'll tell you about that soon. The Biology of Belief. I was getting all inspired as we were running around. So, But I come home and then I have to put that into my fitness pal. And I've lost... Uh, like just like that, I lost about 600 calories, which is so much food. It's so much food. I've got to prioritize the eating element of my uh, of my regime a little bit more because at the moment I'm great at uh, I'm great at running and I'm great at just forgetting to eat. But when it comes to actually scheduling eating and making sure it happens, it, it gets a little bit more difficult. But I've done it before. I did it back in 2014. I uh, when I finished distance running, I went from I was about 68 kilos as a distance runner. I'm six foot on the dot. Uh, well, probably five foot nine, three quarters and a bit, but we'll call it six just for, just so it's even. And six sounds so much better, doesn't it? Um, I'm six foot right on the dot. So you do the conversions there. I don't know what that is in in pounds. What's sixty eight kilos in pounds? I'm not sure. It's not much. It's not too much compared to Kenyan athletes. It's a lot, but compared to a lot of Australian athletes, it's. I've got quads on me. My quads are big, so I think there's a few kilos in there compared to Australian athletes. It's quite heavy as well. The distance runners, anyway. So many, Stewie McSwain, he's about 190 centimetres, and I would guess he's about 64 kilos. There's not much to him. He's the best runner going around at the moment. So anyway, I've got to, uh, I've got to work on the bulk phase a little bit more effectively, a little bit more efficiently. Otherwise, I'm going to be a skinny man and, and be 500 bucks lighter. So that was my week. That was my week. And it was good to get down there, though. I took my little man to the pool down there. So Trelgan Pool. So I grew up in Gippsland originally. So I was born in Gippsland. I was there till I was like 10. And then mum and I went on an adventure to Perth. And then I've been all over the shop since then. But the first 10 years of my life, I went to Gippsland. And they had this They had this big outdoor pool. They had a massive outdoor pool. And uh, it was nothing fancy. In fact, the, the scariest memory. I, every time I think Trelgan Pool, I think of scary memories. Because there was, a, there was a local school who did a carnival there about 25 years ago now. And they were just doing the the uh, uh, like the school trials or the school swimming races. A girl drived in, bang, hit her head on the bottom of the pool, snapped her neck, uh, quadriplegic, survived, but quadriplegic. So every time I go to that pool, there's always this there's this weird vibe of oh man, like this is this is so much fun being here, working on my tan, working on my breaststroke. But also, man, it's crazy that 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 chick's life changed so much because people knew it was in lane two that it happened as well. Uh, they showed you the di- the blocks that she dived off, and it's. It's a little bit eerie to think of how much someone's life can change so quickly just with a bad dive. Like the shallow end of the pool. It's it's not that shallow. It must have been a deep dive. She must have misjudged it. But I think she was only like 12 or 13. So she'd, missed, she'd misjudged the dive, went too deep up the shallow end and, and cracked just like that. So actually, I was doing a school placement there about 10 years ago. And were, one of the teachers was telling me that he was there on the day or he was, he was there a couple of days after. And he goes, man, it was just an eerie vibe. So I was kind of glad because the last the last three years they've been doing some massive renovations to the Trelgan pool, uh, which is good. It needed there was too many poos floating in that Trelgan pool water that I've seen over the years uh, for me to feel comfortable. I, I shouldn't be comfortable in pools anyway. I don't know if I told you when I was in um, when I was in Hungary, Jesse and I, Jesse and I, we went to the hot baths there one day and we were swimming around and all of a sudden I, I went underwater, came up and on my face there was a blood clot. <laughs> Like there's one thing you don't want to see on your face when you've gone under the water at any pool. It doesn't matter whether it's a heated pool, a cold pool. If you come up with a blood clot on your on your face, you you know it's come out of a vagina, don't you? Like that's the that's the one hole it's come out of. Which I'm never that comfortable with blood near that area as it is. But to have it on my face, it's a whole different ball game. It's a it's a really uncomfortable ball game. I know at different horses, different courses, some guys are more comfortable with that. But for me. You know, any any form of blood clot on my face, it's uh, it, it's something that there's no amount of washing that can make you feel comfortable with what's just transpired. So I can still feel it sometimes. Sometimes if I if I close my eyes and, and it just casts my memory back, uh, think about that particular time. At the, I remember what it feels like on my on my cheek. It was just above my right uh, on my left eye, and it was sort of dangling. The the heaviest part of it was was just down here. You know when you when you do like a snot rocket and the heavy part of your booger. Uh, 
but it's sort of stringy. That's what it was. It was like a stringy with, so the clot was on my cheek here and it sort of came around, like a Mike Tyson tattoo. It came around the top of my eye with like quite a, quite a thick base at the bottom. And I'll never forget Jessie's face <laughs> when she, when she uh, what do you say? When I came out of the water, she looked at me as though I had a blood clot on my face, which was just pure horror. She was disgusted. She was nervous. She was ashamed to be associated with me. Um, but there, and that's too close to your mouth as well. Like when I'm over at the beach, there's a lot of time I'll go underwater and I'll open my mouth and I'll, I'll sort of just squirt the water out like a little fountain. Um, I've done that at pools before. I know it's not hygienic, especially knowing what I used to do in pools when I was a kid. Do you know? Like it was, I, I used to get nervous that they had that dye in there that uh, that would make your wee go purple, so everyone would see that you've done it. But when I realised that was just a controversy, uh, uh, what do you say, a conspiracy? Um, a controversial conspiracy, I will say. Yeah, I almost said controversial. When I found out that it was just a conspiracy, uh, man, I, I, I went for it. I didn't matter how hydrated I was, how much I needed to go to the toilet before I got in. Uh, you can't do that during COVID times either because I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure one kid wee's in the pool and everyone gets COVID. I think, that's, I think that's how that Omicron, that's the new variant has come along. I'm pretty sure it's from a pool. It hasn't been confirmed. Uh, and this is obviously not a health channel. So... That's just me speculating, uh, uh, but just know that I'm not a qualified health practitioner. I'm not 100% sure whether the origins of Omicron, if I'm saying that right, did come from a pool, but I'm saying that, that there's a good chance it would have. Do you know what I mean? Like a little bit of that coronavirus goes into the water, uh, someone's got loose-fitting shorts, sneaks into the ass, and uh, before you know it, your, your body's ravished with COVID. Have to have three days off <laughs> before you can feel 100% healthy again. <laughs> Oh, that's not that's not true for some people. For a lot of people, it's true, isn't it? But uh, for a lot of people, it takes like five or six days. Unless you're 80, <laughs> then you're, I'm going down there again. I'm not doing it. Don't do it. I've been so good lately. I've been so good. I said to my mum the other day, like the last, it's the first time that I was excited to get down and see. Because we just see, we see the whole situation around COVID so differently. For her, she's like, oh, she, well, she grew up in an era where you just trusted the news, right? Like, Rightly so. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to trust the news. You're supposed to trust what they say. You assume that the people giving you information are telling you the truth and they're not just like a big propaganda machine. Um, and that's the beauty of the internet. But when you're 64, you don't, you don't really understand uh, the full beauty of the internet, do you? Like, um, like she probably understands the beauty of theatres back in the day uh, to a greater degree than me because it was the only place that you could go to watch a movie without ads. Anyway, you get the ads at the start, but then you go in, you watch the movie... And uh, now I go, Mum, like, it's Netflix. Do you know? Why would I go to the theatre? Most of them, like, you've just got all these lefty Hollywood stars trying to tell you their ridiculous opinions and then come out and, uh, I don't know. It's just weird. It's just a weird vibe. So I think for Mum, the idea of, of the internet is a little bit like the theatre to me. It's like, uh, okay, it's it's a little bit foreign. It's I probably haven't used it to its full capacity. Um, and I think that's where she is a little bit. And it's hard to know, especially when you're new to the internet. You don't know, like... If you're just jumping on YouTube, you'll see you'll see one far right bloke tell you his opinions, and you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is where Tyson's getting his information from. You're like, no, no, mum, like, there's there's some really reasonable voices if you if you just look for a little bit longer, you know, don't just go to Google and type in who's the most controversial figure that might be influencing my son's opinions. <laughs> she doesn't do that at all. But sometimes our conversation makes it feel like that. So I was down there, and uh, and we we're just having a chat. I said, Ma, this is this is the first time I've been really excited to come down. Not because I don't like your difference in opinion, though it's hard when you're when you're frustrated. But I felt so tense the last couple of months based on everything that's been going on. That uh, you know when you're on the brink, you know when you tell people you're calm, but then you start speaking and you're like, it's quite clear this guy's not calm. <laughs> I was like that. I was I was saying, no, no, I'm I'm calm, I'm relaxed, I'm very reasonable. I'll hear both sides, but then I'll hear uh, one opinion on the other side, and I, I snap. Do you know what I mean? I go full bull terrier mode with my jaw just latches on. Mum's like, ah, oh, why have you bowed my shoulder? I never did that. It's just a funny picture that came to my mind as I was speaking. So um, I'd never bite my mum. I'd never bite anyone, I don't think, unless that's, I, I don't reckon that's 100% true. My Uncle Phil, he was like, he, he used to line up in, in streets. He didn't line up in streets. He would, he would get in trouble down the street. He would get into like a, a street fight of sorts. He passed away. Rest in peace. Absolute legend. He passed away in 2017. He had cancer, but man, he lived a he lived a full life. There was a lot of drugs involved. There was a lot of um, I think there was a few dodgy deals involved. But he was one of those guys that, as a 34 year old, I go, man, that's what you call a full life. You know, you want to live a what's that quote where they say you want to live a, a, a like you'd rather live a day as a lion than 10 years as a sheep. I think I think I agree with that. 
I'd like to live 10 years as a lion if I could have that option, but no one ever seems to to give you that option in a hypothetical. But but in his life, he died at 49, but he like the life that he lived was was intense. There's a story about him, which I'm sure the Popplestones have hyped up a little bit, but my Uncle Phil, in a drug-fueled drug rage, uh, one evening back in the 80s in, in Trelgan, uh, he, he was being arrested and he was holding onto a pole. And as the police officers were trying to pull him off the pole, they, they couldn't figure out how to do it. He just had that, I think it's called ice strength, <laughs> where you get an inordinate amount of, um, of strength from the drugs that you've consumed. So it didn't matter how many people were trying to pull him off, he wasn't letting go. And after about 20 minutes, they said, Phil... Please tell us what do we need to do to let you go? He goes, mate, just say, just say, Phil, can you please let go? They go, what, really? You go, Phil, can you please let go? He goes, yeah, okay, deal. There you go. Thanks for your cooperation, officer. <laughs> it was one of those ones. Now, this is a story. This is a true story, and I don't like telling because it, it always sounds made up. But the same guy one night went to the casino, and I just want to give you some. I just want to. I just want to uh, preface this with I know how fake it sounds, but it, it's a true story. It is a true story, so I just want you to just place your trust in me as I tell you this story because I heard it for the first time and I said, no, okay, surely that's not right. But then it's been confirmed to me by numerous sources. So uh, my dad, my Uncle Phil, went to the casino one night. My Uncle Phil put too much money down on, on the roulette table. Uh, let's say he put it on black, right? So he put the money on black. The roulette ball, it landed on, it landed on red, so he lost his money. But just, just as it landed, he, he quickly picked up the ball, he put it in his mouth, and he, was, and, he, and he tried to swallow it. He was trying to swallow the ball. Um, and the guy's like, mate, you can't, you can't have the ball in your mouth. Like, you have to, have to put it back onto the table. Um, so Uncle Phil goes, no, I'm not. Like, I, don't, I don't know where the rule is that says you can't put the roulette ball in your mouth. But if you show me that rule, uh, I'll, I'll put the roulette ball. Well, they go, well, it's, mate, it's not... It's not like the the rule book didn't really expect anyone to actually put a roulette ball in their mouth, so it doesn't explicitly say you can't do it. It's just like an it should just be a known thing. We said I don't know it, and, so, and then this is where the story gets unreal. So the security guards came out and said, "Mate, take the ball out of your mouth." He goes, "Okay, fine, whatever," and he spat the ball back on the table. It landed on the color that he had originally had his um, his chips on. And he started celebrating. He started going, yes, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? He started to get all up and about. The... So he spat the ball back onto the table. It landed on his color. He started going, you got to pay up. you got to pay up. The guys are going, mate, no, it, it's uh, like there's no, it, you, you can't pick up the ball and spit it. And uh, it, it lands on your color. And you think you're going to get the money. He goes, show me the rule book where it says the participant cannot pick up the ball, put it in their mouth, spit it back onto the table. It land on their color. And they said, so the security guards dragged him out. He never got the money. But um, what a fantastic story. What a fantastic... I have no idea. What was I talking about that even led me to that, to that particular point? I have no idea. We're speaking about living a full life. We're, but anyway, there we go. There's a story about my uncle. I hope, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. But uh, it's funny as you get older as well, you start to realize, so he was only 49. Even though it was only four years ago that he passed away, I think that four years I've realized uh, that's only 15 years for me. And obviously there's no guarantees that, that I'm going to live that long or anyone's going to live that long for that matter. I had a friend in, I had a friend in year nine, Michael Holloway. And uh, we, man, we, me, him and Chopper used to cause so much trouble in, in year nine. Mrs. Bailey was our teacher. I remember one day uh, telling Mrs. Bailey that I saw her mum down the street. And I never got in so much trouble because apparently her mum had passed away recently, which I didn't know. She thought she was that I was taking the piss out of her mum's death. So I've, I got I got in serious trouble uh, for harassing a teacher with Michael Holloway. We're laughing so hard because Miss Bailey was so angry. She pulled me aside at the end of the lesson. She said, "Tyce, the reason I'm so upset is my mum's passed away. Like you speaking so soon about her death is disrespectful." I thought, "Oh my God, it really is. I can't believe what I've done. I would be disgusted with me as well." And then Michael Holloway, uh, he must have been 17, because in Western Australia, you get your, you get your license quite young. Um, he, he was killed in a car accident, just like that, just bang. I remember being in a car with him once uh, from an early age. Just He was with his mum. in the, He had ADD for sure, but in the best, in the best car, like in the same sense that I've probably got it. You know what I mean? He was, uh, he was energetic. He's a big kid as well. He, he ate foods that he shouldn't have been eating. He was a big boy. Um, like there's a lot of sugar involved in, in his diet, but, but that was fine. But I'm just saying, I think that sugar might've influenced some of his erratic decisions. And, uh, and one day I remember him, uh, his mum was driving the car. We must've been, well, we were young at this stage. And, uh, as we were driving, he just pulled up the handbrake on his mum. His mum just started doing these little, these little, little snakies along the road. Me and him are laughing so hard. He's getting in trouble. Um, but man, it was a, it was a sign that, that he probably, 
you know, it was going to be, it was going to be a little bit, it was going to be a little bit dangerous behind the wheel. But uh, far out, poor thing. It happens quick. You got to be careful. So anyway, so he li- uh, he lived a full life, is what we were saying. I still don't know how that got us there. But I'm 34, and usually I'm. A lot of people assume that I'm younger than I am. So most of the time, I don't know what I've got the lighting set up here nicely. Um, the face is washed. Do you know what I mean? Like I look, I look relatively good today. I think apart from the crinkles on my forehead, but that's just a part of, that's just a part of aging. I've I've always had quite loose skin on my face, so I'm not a hundred percent sure what they're like. You can do Botox, but I'm not. I'm not. I don't care enough about Botox. It's just I just can't look surprised too much. Otherwise, otherwise it ages me. But still, for whatever reason, despite what's going on in my face, despite the skin being a little bit loose, it doesn't matter how much collagen. I consume. It doesn't seem to make that much of a difference to uh, to how I look. And, and and the other night, it was the first time where I was confronted. My mate Casey, she listens to this podcast sometimes. She's my mate. I always give her a kiss on the cheek when I see her. I like her. She always got a. She smells good. She's a good comic. She's funny. She's outspoken. Um, I think there's a little bit of cocaine involved in in the concoction uh, of, of her, her weekly consumption. But I, I like her. I like. She's a cool chick. And uh, he's a good little artist as well. See, I always thought, I thought, hey, you know what? A nice way to seal a friendship is a little kiss on the cheek every time I say, hey, Case, good to see you. Hey, a little cuddle, kiss on the cheek, bang, we're here. She said to me the other night after about 15 minutes of conversation, I was about to get on stage to do my, my stand-up. She goes, man, how old are you? And uh, I go, what do you think? And I was sort of just floating the bait out there because I thought, for sure she's going to tell me I look 26. Do you know, I've always had that, that nice sun uh, got the nice tan, got the nice physique, been working out hard. I thought the clothes were looking good. I had a little bit of cologne on. Uh, she goes, man, I reckon 43. Okay, <laughs> like I just laughed it off thinking, yeah, she's taking the piss. Obviously, that's quite funny. I go, no, honestly. And she was standing with, with another guy, another comedian, great fellow himself. And uh, I go, no, really, Case, how old do you think? She goes, man, oh, that's a legitimate guess. I think 43. So Case, yeah. You hurt me a bit here. I've got to get on stage in a couple of minutes and look confident. Like, the lighting in there is not that good. The shadow feature is, is I don't know, I'm, lo- I'm looking a little bit too sharp. You know what I mean? Where you, you can blur the creases out, you can sharpen them. Um, so I, I went up on stage thinking, Fire, I, can't believe, I can't believe I look 43. But the worst thing was, um, I said to the boy next to her, I go, man, how old do you think I am? He goes, yeah, I don't think 43. I go, thank God. He goes, I, I would guess, the, I'd guess like late 30s, very late 30s. I go, bro, I'm 34, man. Like, what's going on here? I moved to the beach to to try and improve my health, to try and look younger. And uh, I said to her, what the heck? 43? Why do you say 43? And the worst part, she goes, man, you got white stuff in the corner of your mouth. You got that white stuff, and that's what old people get. I go, come on. I spoke to my wife on the way home. I go, sweetie, you're going to have to look after me better than this. <laughs> you, can't be, you can't be having a husband with white stuff in his corner of his mouth. So I've been doing this all week. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, I had to go get the shaver and make sure... Had to make sure that the little hairs in the corner here were, were shaved down just to, to make sure I was looking looking good. He didn't like the champ said the champ said he hadn't seen it. Clearly it's hit a it's hit a sore spot for me though. Wow. I've never moisturized and, and drank as much water as I had as I have this week. She said to me, man, just don't spend so much time in the sun. I go, wow, the sun's my favorite thing. So that could be a problem. So it's it's scary. But they they did compliment me at the end. They they gave me like a little bit of hope. They said, no, but you got that kind of face that to be fair, if I just guessed a, a woman's age uh, and I was I was that far out, I know it's more controversial with women as well. Like men, it's okay. You can chuck it out there and and, and, and I have to shrug it off, do you know? It doesn't matter how much I bitch about it. You guys don't care. My wife goes, yeah, well, take better care of yourself, uh, dry head. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, which I thought I did. I was sleeping well, uh, moisturizing well. doesn't matter. My morning swims at the ocean need to be more regular by the sound of it. But um, yeah. They said to me, no, but you've got that kind of face that, that you'll look that age forever. I said, okay, so, so for the next 10 years, I've got to look 43 before my time. But then after that, I'm, uh, I'm hopefully going to be okay. Like there's, there, there's a little bit of hope that, that even when I'm 53, I look 43. I guess that's, the, that's a deal I'd be happy to take. But, uh, but I'm not too fast. I'm not too fast. I don't want to look. I don't want to look like one of those TV show hosts or, or sort of like the Wayne Carey here in Australia. Wayne Carey's a former AFL player and he looks... He, he's, he's got that shiny head now. Do you know, like you put moisturizer on his face, it would just slide right off and land on his chest if you're not careful. Because he's, his face is slippery. He's, he's really struggling to show surprise anymore. Uh, but he's an alpha. He's, uh, he's that, the alpha man in the, uh, in the group. So he gets away with it. Somehow, somehow you can go into a room full of people with a face that still. Um, and he's got the confidence to be able to do it. I don't know how he does it. Um, I guess you've got no other option. Like if you've frozen your face... And people, he probably is offended, but no one realizes <laughs> because there's a certain element of uh, facial movement which needs to be expressed 
in order to uh, in order to see the emotion. He's probably hurt deeply on the inside, but um, but no one knows. Anyway, so forty three because I had white stuff in the corner of my mouth. Anyway, I had two good sets though. I had a good set there. It was at a place called um, what's the room called? It was on the corner of Queensbury. I completely blanked on its name. Not funny near the bunny. That's a good room as well. Oh, ah, Billy, Bobby, you don't, I, I, I can't, I can't, oh, Bobby Peels. Bobby Peels is the name of the comedy room that I went to the other night. Had a good little set, a really good little set. It was, um, well, the first half of it was good. The second half, I think I bombed, <laughs> which at the moment, at the, I actually haven't listened back to the tape, but I'm going to have a listen back to it later today when I uh, when I tried to improve my material but I was riffing because some guy but some guy before I got up he started talking about being pegged by his girlfriend I heard this phrase twice the other night Google that Google pegging do you know what I mean I thought it was going to be laundry it's not I thought it would have something to do with pegs it's not um, it's got a lot to do with uh, with women taking a more dominant role in the bedroom which there's a lot of talk about that at the moment Bobby Pills I got a feeling it was a little bit more of a left-leaning room there was a lot of there's a lot of people there talking about exploring their sexuality. One chick here. This was interesting to me. I was midway through a conversation, and I'm still not a hundred percent sure whether I understood what was going on. Talked to this chick there uh, for about twenty minutes when I first got there. Awesome chick. Can't remember her name, but but really lovely. Really liked her. They were having a chat, and then halfway through, she started telling me about her friend who was pregnant, and uh, she then she started saying her. Uh, she started saying, yeah, he's pregnant and uh, he's, he's got this going away party or something tonight. So he's just hoping he doesn't go into labor. And through the conversation, I was thinking, oh, okay. So she's obviously referring to the fact that her friend has a wife who's about to go into labor. And I thought, okay, no, that makes sense. Um, so I didn't even think it was worth mentioning because the, uh, for me, like I've heard about these kind of conversations, but I've never actually been in one. So I just assumed that I'd misunderstood something. I was letting her get away with it. And uh, to be fair, in that conversation, I didn't really even think about what was happening. In that conversation, I was just like, oh, okay, no, I know what she's talking about. But then at, upon reflection, I left that, I left uh, Bobby Peels and I started to go to Funny Bunny in, uh, in St. Kilda. And in the car, I was like, hang on a second, she was telling me that her friend was pregnant and he, and uh, he's going to go into labor and she's known him for a while. And I was like, hang on a sec. Like, and then a few of the, the, a couple of the comedians got up and started talking about exploring their sexuality, and um, they've always just been like they're dating. A lot of people dating bisexuals at the moment, which is a which is a really in thing. There's a lot of this. Uh, let's let's date a bisexual. I don't know. I don't know what the appeal is. I, I find that I think it's hard enough. I'm lucky. I got a good woman who's very faithful. But in a lot of relationships out there. There's a, there's a certain element of distrust. And like if I was dating a woman who I was nervous about that she was starting to like other guys, that's enough That's enough hesitancy for me. Like if I dated a chick who might be attracted to guys and girls, that's not just greedy, but that's also, like how am I supposed to navigate my way through that period? That's an awkward That's an awkward sort of thing to, to go through. I'm not a big fan of dating the bisexuals. And I'm pretty sure, like I'm not, I'm not sure if bisexual is just a phase, is it? Because like, I just I don't know many seventy year old bisexuals, and I'm sure they're out there. Feel free to point me towards some. Like I um, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm not just like the just like a Sasquatch, you know. I'm sure there might have been one, or at least something that looks like that. But then when you look a little bit more closely, you realise, oh, okay, it wasn't quite what I thought it was. So um, is it something that you just grow out of? I never, I was never, I was never into it. I went to a, I went to um, I think it's isn't it an attention thing. I don't know. This is controversial conversation. But there's Melbourne's a funny place as well because there's there's so many things now that like I'm, 34 is old enough an age to, to be able to look back at 20 year olds and you go ah oh, okay so I remember when people were my age I remember when people that were the age that I am now uh, looking at me when I was 20 hearing me say things and ah oh, okay it'll be interesting to see if you still agree with that in 10 years and I'm sure there's plenty of I'm sure there's plenty of bisexual like 30 year olds even 40s I just reckon late 40s is where it starts to grow or you've got to commit you know what I mean like surely that's just a lack of the uh, maybe you just struggle with commitment maybe that's more of the problem you just like to keep your options open it's like me sometimes I I overcommit I, I cast my energy to too many places and before I know it, I've got no energy left for the things I really care about. So I'm constantly trying to just get rid of the excess and focus on like the real essential in my life. Maybe a bisexual is just like a, it's like a, a relationship's version of the opposite of minimalism. 
Like maybe if you start to focus on minimalism, you think, okay, well, I can't have all these girlfriends. I can't have all these boyfriends. I just gotta, I just gotta maybe focus on one or two. Even that's, even that's quite Islamic. Do you know what I mean? Like we, we look at Islam and we go, oh my gosh, this is disgusting that these men have so many wives. Like how can't that is like what about the the importance of women? And I can't believe women are still treated like this. And um, all of a sudden here we're in Melbourne and it's just gone full three sixty. People are like, yeah, no, nah, it's just. I've got like three different girls that I see and it's a, it's quite a beautiful exploration of my sexuality and um, you know sometimes I let them peg me and it's just a it's just for me like I really feel myself clench up but I think that's more to do with me and like my insecurity about like uh, the fact that my sexuality is a spectrum <laughs> I, I don't know maybe it's true maybe it's true Maybe I'm the, I was just standing at the back of the room. I'm going, I am straight. Like, I am a straight guy. I am, there's, I've got no interest in men, which was probably a little forceful. Like, the, if, you, if you're reading to that, I'm not sure what Carl Jung would say about that, but I'm pretty sure, like, psychotherapists would say that that resistance to the idea of being on a spectrum surely suggests I'm gay at a deep down level. I mean, I love cocktails. <laughs> I love cocktails and bright clothes. I'm certainly very flamboyant. I've worn a turtleneck before. Um... Yeah, so I'm not I'm not 100 sure what all that means, but turtleneck. There's not that many straight men who are wearing turtlenecks, are they? Like surely just guys in the closet. I've worn them and, and thought it was a fashion statement. I wore it to church the first day I met my wife. I was in tracksuit pants and a turtleneck, which was a horrific decision. Um, thank God I've got jet. Mind you, mind you, I, I think if I was still single, there would be a there'd be a lot of questions. I'm, yeah, I still get questioned on my I still get questioned on my fashion sense quite regularly. I, I walked into a, I might have told you this, I walked into a comedy room the other night and uh, one guy goes, hey mate, where'd you get your shirt? I said, hey, I got it in London. He goes, can you take it back? I said, okay, oh, yeah, I remember. All right, sure. I see what's just happened there. You've, you've set me up and you've, uh, that's what you call a, that's what you call a, a, a serve volley. You serve it hard, you run into the net, bang. You, you hit it back to them before they can make the ball. I didn't even have a chance to respond because it was just such a vicious response that uh, before I knew it, my ego was on the floor. Yeah, anyway, so I don't know, is, that, is there anything to that? Is there anything to the idea that bisexual is just greedy? I think it's greedy. I think there's too much going on there. I think you got to. I think you got to calm down. Do you know? There's there's the the pansexual one confuses me. The pansexual one is that's essentially. I mean, good. Like, if you're into it, go for it. Go for it. But um, but just I just want you to know that the that it's it's a lot more. It's a lot more close to, to Islam than the, what the, the, the traditional marriage here in Australia, which everyone hates at the moment. Like if you want to be married in Australia, that's a controversial decision. Remember when marriage was a beautiful thing? Now it's like, you know what, I just don't want to tie myself down. I just don't, I, I want to explore my options. I, w- I want to know what they both taste like. <laughs> I want to know what they both taste like. That's a discuss. I assume there's like an element of sour to both. Do you know, like anything where, where liquid flows that freely from, it's a, I don't know, I get... When you start thinking about something on like a DNA or like a cellular level, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on. Whatever the juice is, do you know? Anyway, that's why. Yeah, now credit to anyone who can commit. Credit to anyone who can commit despite what's going on, like girls and guys. Because, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. I believe in toothpaste, but I'm just not. It's sort of like like if you come up out of the pool, like I said, with a with a blood clot on your face, there's a certain element of that involved. It's like it doesn't matter how much you brush your teeth, you've still you still got rem- like there's pro- there could be a little bit of juice stuck in your mustache. <laughs> That's a disgusting thought. I can't believe I've just said that. Anyway, no wonder Jesse doesn't listen to this podcast. It's uh, it's revolting. It's 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 quite horrific. That's why it's nice to be able to balance it between like these rants and and having interviews because you can't. Yeah, when you've got someone's face looking back at you, I've said this before, and you can see the emotional responses to the things that you say, you've got to calm down a little bit. Right now, I've just got my face on the camera, and, and I'm quite comfortable with what's being said. On the most part, there's some things that I'm saying where I'm like, hey, come on, settle down a little bit. But uh, but mostly, I'm quite happy. Hey, one thing, one, oh, you guys will love this. So, um, so I, I told you, I've been giving you little updates on on the, the vaccine passport status, yeah? Like, I've sort of, I've given you the origin story about the fact that, all right, I'm, I'm never showing you, but I've kind of, I kind of like the trickster mindset a little bit more. I like the idea of, of shaking up the system and, and, and just seeing how much uh, people are really paying attention. Because on the surface level, we go, all right, if here in Victoria, God, if you're not in Victoria right now, if you're anywhere else in the world and you're laughing at Victoria, uh, please keep laughing. I'm, I'm sitting in this town going, 
what is taking place here is horrific. Australians need to grow a pair of balls and talk up. But so many of us are sitting here just going, no, no, this is, this is, it's all a part. Like health, health is a crisis. We've got to be super, we've got to be super cautious. We've got to be super careful. I get it. You want to take care of health. I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But for our premier here, which is like the, the, equi- the equivalent to our state of what a governor is in the United States, um, He's, he's a psycho. He's a psycho. I think. I Maybe that's... I was laughing with some boys the other day because it's funny when you get into your echo chamber and all of a sudden you just... Like for me, I, I find it so comfortable to call this guy a psycho now. But then I see some people on the other side of the fence who are very reasonable, beautiful people and I hear them speak. And I go, you know what? That actually makes a little bit of sense as well. But it's so easy to get so narrow-minded on what you think that it's all you can see. And I've got no doubt that's happened to me to an extent. But... Um, you got to have a line in the sand somewhere. So right now, my line in the sand is, all right, this guy's taken it too far and I'm not happy with how far it's gone. Anyway, I'm not going to take you down that because it's a it's a path that I've, I've, I'm a little bit exhausted by. I get halfway down that path. And I was like, oh, I just want to go back to the car. And um, it's too late. It's too late because your emotions are zapped and you're trapped there overnight. You've got to put out an SAS call, ask for a, ask for help. Anyway, that's a, that's a weird thought. But anyway, this premier has... Uh, Dan Andrews has been going on about the fact that yeah, it's a vaccinated economy. If you don't have a vaccine passport, you're not getting in anywhere. Now, I was a little bit intimidated this at the start because I was like, oh, okay, what if I don't want to show people my uh, legitimate vaccine passport if I've got one? And um, uh, so anyway, what's been funny is I've been doing little experiments because I've started to notice that when I watch people going into certain shops where a passport is required, there's not a whole heap of attention being paid by the person at the door. So the other day, I was at Officeworks, right? So I I, I Googled uh, passport because I just wanted to know how much. It's like a 16-year-old girl at the door trying to navigate. She's getting her 20 bucks an hour. She's literally just, she doesn't understand what she's doing. I'm sure she just wants the money. Like, she's not there going, I'm doing this for the better part of society. She's just like, please be nice. Like, I just, I, I don't really understand. I had no idea about politics at 12. I still struggle. There's still a lot to it that I, I understand this, that it's very manipulative and that there's a lot of dishonesty. But that's in every institution, isn't it? Like, there's, doesn't matter if that's government or if that's the church or... Or if that's like wherever you get a group of people, there's going to be dishonesty because like you get me around enough, and you're going to ask me a question. There's going to be an element where I go, oh, there's going to be a phase where you ask me a question a little too close to home, and I'll give you like a slightly devious answer, <laughs> which serves multiple purposes, maybe to avoid embarrassment, maybe to uh, impress you, whatever it is. And you do that on math scale, and that's all like that's what humanity is, isn't it? So whenever there's a group of people in one room or in 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 one setting, there's going to be dishonesty. I get that. Um, so I need to calm down a little bit. But this girl, she's a poor thing. She's just she's just playing her role. She's just a cog in the wheel. And um, I walked in there the other day. She goes, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, do you mind if I check your vaccine passport? And me being an arsehole, I go, oh, my God, I can't believe Are we doing this? <laughs> I gave her like a the poor thing. I was lovely to her. I was like, hey, look, I get it. I'm just being cheeky. Um, she goes, do you mind if I see? So I just showed her a screenshot of one I found on Google. It didn't have my name on it. I think it was a female name. And she goes, oh, thank you so much. Off you go. And I go, hang on a sec. <laughs> so, ladies and gents, this I'm not saying you should do this. I'm just saying that if you wanted to, you could. But I, I definitely don't encourage it because it would be against the law. But some, I think there's there's certain bad laws that should be broken, I think. My wife just bought me a T-shirt. It says, good people disobey bad laws. And I thought, that's a, that's a shirt of the times, isn't it? So, if you are unvaccinated, and uh, for whatever reason, I've got a good friend who's not vaccinated, and he's decided that he's not participating in any uh, form of entering into a building where a fake ID is required. And I get that. He's, uh, he doesn't want to participate in it. I like the idea of people, not saying myself, because I, you don't know where I stand with the vaccine idea, you know. But uh, <laughs> but uh, there's there's some people who go, oh, crap. Like, I won't say a name. I won't say a name. But there's someone close to me in my family who she can't access anyway because she's decided not to get the vaccine. Um, she's 80 or 75, which might give it away a little bit. But uh, I said, hey, hey little old lady on my dad's side of the family. Um, you can just Google pass because no one's paying that close attention. She goes, oh, really? So if you're out there and you're feeling depressed because you think these rules are disgusting, I'm just saying that's what people are doing. Am I encouraging it? Definitely not. Am I stopping you from doing it? I can't stop you from doing anything. But if you just Google it or uh, ask your friend to give you a screenshot of this, I think there's ways around it. But uh, but that comes with consequences if you get caught out. But you could just say, oh my gosh, that's embarrassing. Yeah, my wife sent me a photo of her passport just to show me what it looked like and um, I got caught using it. That's all I'm saying. But I literally, I went to Kmart the other day. I forgot my phone, right? 
Um, and my wife had her version of a, of a vaccine passport on her phone. Um, I'm not saying whether it was legitimate or not, it was just there, uh, because it's her private information. Anyway, I had her phone, the guy at the door goes, mate, I need to see your vaccine passport before you enter. And then, this is a true story. Midway through this, uh, him asking me this, he turned, because he just bumped into a mate, so he's this, little, he's this little Kiwi guy, cool guy actually, he's quite nice. He turned to his mate, he's talking about how wasted he got at Saloon last night, which is like a local pub down in Gippsland. And uh, he's, <laughs> he's there to, to, he was way overweight. He goes, I need to see your passport. He's literally still talking. I, I promise you, he was still talking. He barely even glanced at my phone. I go, here it is, mate. He looked across at me. He goes, hey, thanks, mate. I think he just saw green on my screen. It was my wife's, pa- my wife's passport. I got into Kmart just like that. So it's, uh, you've got options is what I'm saying. But it, it has been beautiful to, to just see that take place because the truth is most people are lazy at their jobs. If you're working at Kmart, or if you're working at some big institution, you're the exception to that rule if you're taking it very seriously. Hey, credit to you. Like if you're a young guy, young gal, and you're putting in the work trying to uh, trying to trying to progress your career, or um, you know you've just got some principles that you like to live up to, I love that. But you're the exception, which is cool because it means you're going to stand out. But most people are just doing the bare minimum to get by. I remember being. I used to work at a. a, a where did I used to work? I've worked at a number of places. One of them was a shop called Joggers World in South Australia. And it was a, a place where you had to constantly look busy. Like the, the owners expected you to look busy, even if there was nothing to do. So I just constantly go around, I'd take a shirt off a coat rack, put uh, put it back on, take it off, put it back on. Because you wanted to look busy. But it was bull crap. It was just to, it was for, for optics, as they say. So I was living up to this optics uh, illusion and there was nothing going on. So most people at the door, they're doing that. And uh, I've never felt more love for a person doing that. Because that power was a funny thing. Power is a funny thing, um, and it's interesting. I like I like playing this game with uh with with people at the door. So I went into JB Hi-Fi a couple of days ago. I walked in. I went to walk in. The lady said, "Hey, do you mind if I see your vaccine status?" I said, "Is it okay if it's just a fake one?" And she goes, "Oh, you cheeky thing!" And then I, I showed her, and she's like, "Oh, oh, boy, hang on a sec. So I've just whacked that mic. I hope that wasn't too painful in the ears. Um, Oh, you cheeky thing. Like, get get in there, you little rascal. But she had no idea if I was telling the truth or not. So I went and bought my camera at JB Hi-Fi. My wife's picking it up right now. So the image on this this thing's about to get a whole lot clearer, I hope. Anyway, especially on the um, especially on the interviews, because at the moment I've just been using the webcam on my computer, which is pretty good. The new computer, got the MacBook Air, but the more recent one, the camera is impressive. But I'm thinking, uh, I've just found out that Canon, they do this thing where you connect. I got a Canon, it's an EOS M50. I think it's like an entry-level moderate, like a pretty good camera that you can start with. So you can plug that in, you can connect it to an app, and it actually serves as a, as a webcam. So I'm just hoping that that works beautifully. Um, so watch this space. But anyway, I got that through JB Hi-Fi, being a bit cheeky to the lady. And uh, I thought that was fun. My mum was there just going, Tyson, why do you have to be an asshole? Just be nice. I go, it was pretty nice. I was just being funny. Like, look, uh, look how well we got on. Anyway, so that was funny. It's good down in, it's good down in Shrelkin. No one's, no one's paying too much attention to whether you got a legitimate. No one cares, which is nice. I think there's like a, there's a, there's a, a, a few people who care. Uh, I was listening to Joe Rogan yesterday, and, and him and Jocko Willink were talking about how there's people now on Twitter who their Twitter, their Twitter about me section that says masked, vaxxed, and flu vaxxed. So all of a sudden, people have started to pay attention to flu vaccine as well. Anyway, what do you do? I've started to be nicer with people who disagree with me now because I've had some conversations with with people who I had a conversation with uh, with Elijah Dries, a comedy a comedy scene guy. I love it, Eli. He's I think it's I think it's Ali. He co- he goes by Eli, Ali, Ali. I mean, love like the nicest guy in comedy, nicest guy in comedy. And uh, I think he completely disagrees with everything I say, but he's so lovely with the way that he asks questions. He's so lovely with the way that he challenges your points that it's a beautiful conversation. It's a beautiful conversation. At the end, we have a cuddle. Literally, he's a, he's a man, man hug kind of guy. I see him. I just want to give him a hug. I saw him two days in a row. I cuddled him both days. And um, it was good. It was good. A lot of my friends, I don't cuddle. <laughs> a lot of my friends are, um, are not huggers. It's like a, you give a you give a high five. I'm a hugger at heart. Do you know what I mean? I don't see a I don't see a man for a while. Uh, Dan Wilson, my mate, listens to this podcast on a regular basis. He's his number one fan. He's not a hugger, but every time I see him, I always go up. I go, hey, come on, give us it. Give us a cuddle. <laughs> Give us a cuddle. My mum's not a hugger either, and you notice that they respond like non-huggers respond to hugs in the same way. It's like a weird, 
it's, I don't know, it's just a weird vibe going on where there's a couple of pats on the back. There's some guys you should know not to hug. And for whatever reason, they're the ones I love hugging the most just because, I don't know, you feel like they need it a little bit. You know what I mean? I just want to go, like, give us a hug. Give us a hug. I know, I know you got drunk and punched a bloke out one night. You just need a cuddle. <laughs> you just need a cuddle, mate. That's all you need. And um, anyway, it's fun. But the, I think the reason, honestly, that I like to go for a cuddle is that there's some very... There's some very firm handshakes going on if you don't cuddle. And sometimes I go in unprepared. I got I got to work on the tension of my handshake. I've been working on grip strength a lot during my uh, during my workouts because I found out recently that apparently grip strength is something that diminishes as you get older. And uh, I'm in this mindset right now where, as I get older, I don't I want to I want to be the strongest, fittest 80 year old you've ever seen doing push ups, skating. I'm not even kidding. Uh, if grip strength is one of those things that's going to help me, because in my head I'll be a hunter by then. Even though right now I'm still a uh, I'm basically a vegetarian <laughs> in my head. I feel like I'm on a journey towards hunting. I see a bloke shooting a bow and arrow down at the park, which is not uncommon. I mean, it wasn't just a bloke shooting a random bow and arrow. He was shooting at targets, which is which is incredibly dangerous, I think, especially as a... Like, if, if you saw me at the driving range as a golfer, um, you would see me hit the ball, and you go, oh, gee, I'm glad there was rails up around, because that was, that was quite dangerous. But with archery, there's no rails, there's no walls. It's just... Hey, best of luck. And the walking path wasn't that far away from from where people are shooting these these uh, these arrows. It's like, man, like you wouldn't want to get a bloke in a bad mood who you know he had a rough childhood shooting along there because it wouldn't take much for him just to to, to slightly change the angle and uh, and shoot you through the heart. <laughs> Which I think, in fairness, is probably harder to do than what it sounds like because you you'd need to have a very you'd you'd need to have a very uh, you'd need to have a very good shot. But I know, but but bow and arrow folk are, are, are very committed. I think there's an element of OCD which runs through the blood of of those who are uh, firing arrows, and um, I think a lot of them are a good shot. But I'm just saying the the new ones they need they need more of a driving range structure. But did you hear the podcast I did the other day with uh with civilian? He's a he's a day trader here on on the Australian stock market. Some of the numbers that he puts up. So. In the day trading scene, they, they put up what they call profit and loss. They let you know how they went on a particular day, how they did really well, how they did really poorly. I saw this guy last year, and what got me interested in him was he was putting up numbers of 20,000, 15,000, 10,000. This is on a daily basis. Like, hang on a second. That's a lot of people's annual wage just there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I wanted to, to tap into his mind. But, but him, when he was like 19, he was at a driving range with a mate, and his mate was hitting a, a sand wedge, which is which is traditionally not a, a super powerful club, but I mean, if you're getting hit in the eyeball, which is what I'm about to tell you, he did, his mate hit it with a sandwich, wrong angle, came off the side of the club, bang, smacked him in the in the eye, a civilian out cold, uh, airlifted to hospital, fined, or sued the golf course for 90 grand, started his day trading career, just like that. But um, what was my point there? Archery, oh, archery, yeah, archery needs some more stringent restrictions when it comes to how far you can uh, you can fire your arrow, because there'd be a couple of loose units out there who I think would be happy to to fire at people. I got a mate though the other day. He's um he believes really interesting guy to talk to for a number of reasons. He's he's uh, like I I love a good conspiracy, but but my mate he's 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 right down the track. I'm talking. Uh, I'm talking, he, he believes the Earth is flat. He thinks everything that's taken from space is fake. Everything that's taken from space is with a fisheye camera. It gives you an uh, an unreal or unrealistic expectation of, of what's going on. I just think this, that's a big secret. Like, that's a big secret to keep. Now, I understand that the JFK files haven't been released yet, and that's a secret that we haven't heard a lot about for a long time. But the idea that, I don't know. Is anything real anymore? That's my thing. Like the internet is beautiful, but there's also so many theories that it's hard to navigate your way through. What's real? What's pretend? What's not? And then you start seeing you start seeing things online that that just make you question your reality even more. My mate sent me a video the other day of um of of Tom Cruise being completely strange. He was he was hitting golf balls. He was playing guitar. He was just doing all these weird... He was eating lollipops after that. I messaged him back. I go, dude, he's a weird unit. He messaged me back going, dude, it's not Tom Cruise. I go, oh, I've just watched all five videos and it is Tom Cruise. He goes, mate, it's a bloke who runs like an AI channel. So it's it's him acting with like this artificial intelligence to help enforce it and help uh, increase the, the, the... Like, what do you say? The reality of it, make it look more realistic. I go, oh my God. Like, what if this isn't real? 
Like if you're pulling my leg with this, where I'm I'm watching him, I'm listening to him, I'm, I'm seeing everything on the camera, and I can clearly see that Tom Cruise, and then you tell me this is fake, I go, man, okay, how am I supposed to trust what the article says now? I don't know who wrote it. I don't know if anyone, did anyone wrote it? Did you listen to that bloke from uh, The Social Dilemma on that uh, on Joe's podcast the other day speaking about how there's so many bots out there who, like their job as a bot is is just to just to talk smack, just to just to throw out a little bit of uh, controversy, throw out some confusion around some commonly held ideas. Apparently there was a, out of the 20 biggest Facebook groups for, for Christianity in the United States in 2020, 19 of them were, were like troll farms, which is a hilarious term because I used to collect trolls when I was a kid. And when people say troll farms, I go, wait, hang on a second. Because don't you think, I was talking to my wife about this last night on the way home from Trelgan. She said to me, she goes, whenever someone says troll farm, I just think of, I just think of these people out on a farm and they've been they've been like um, what do you call it when you oh, when you plow a field been plowing the field all day they come back and sit together they're like hey like what pranks can we play today what do you <laughs> and as if they would have internet like the idea of a troll having internet is uh, that's a conspiracy in itself so like a troll farm is is quite a hilarious term if you ask me I think it's uh, I think they should come up with a better name because it's, for me it's hard to take seriously because I just think of my troll collection with their different colored hair. Um, I had some small ones, some big ones, and all the kids at school wanted to play with them because they were so funny. Um, but I would never take what a troll says seriously. But then if a troll's that good online that you don't know that they're, they're actually a troll, like, as I said, if Tom Cruise is tricking me just through what, uh, you know, what's being posted on these these pretend these pretend Instagram pages, then, then who else is, these trolls are putting together some pretty convincing arguments. Makes me feel better though. Whenever I see something which is completely outrageous on Twitter or, or online now, at least I have that. I've got that foundation where I go, okay, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But I've actually, so I told you guys I'm off Facebook. I'm off Facebook for a year. I'm allowed to use Messenger because it's the only way that you can get, well, it's one of the only ways that you can get gigs. Or it's at least it's at least one of the easiest ways you can get gigs. Message the room runners and go, hello, can I come down on Thursday? They say, hey, sure, Tice, come down. Or mate, you definitely don't qualify for this room. Um, but I've never felt better getting off Facebook. Um, and I'm, I'm almost 100% off Instagram. I think I'm going to put up a post later. Here's the thing I have trouble with. So um, I want to tell you guys when these podcasts come out, because I'm not sure if you're passionate enough to go and check it for yourself. So I, I, um, I usually post this on, on Instagram. I just go, hey, look, new, new episode up if you want to go and check it out. Um, I, don't know, I don't know how effective that is. I don't know how effective that is. Like, because the podcast that I'm interested in, I, I don't usually see that they're available because I've seen their Instagram page. I just see it because I've gone to their their page. Anyway, so but the thing I've been having trouble with is like, all right, if I go completely off Instagram, how am I gonna how am I gonna post about these podcasts? How am I gonna let you know who's on board? So if I do it, what I'm gonna do, I'm creating a couple of rules. I'm gonna say, okay, Jesse is allowed to go on and post for me, but I'm not allowed to go on and engage or message anyone. Um, and also, I'm allowed. To, I've got a, a running page. Like outside of here, I do some running coaching, and that's got social media attached. So, I the running community they they actually are interested to see who's coming on the podcast. I think you know, like a lot of people message me going, "Hey, so excited to listen to this podcast." At least they're those bots. So, I I think that's another one that I'm I'm pretty keen to to be able to keep going. So, uh, I might put up a post about this later. Just say, "All right, I'm having some time off Instagram." Um, I'm not allowed to message people on Instagram though. Anyway, let me navigate this page. I'm going to put up a post maybe later tonight, maybe tomorrow, just to explain what I'm doing. Because otherwise people message you and they expect a response. And if you don't respond, you're an asshole. And there's there's too many platforms that people that people expect responses from. So um, I don't know. That's just that's one thing that I'm trying to trying to navigate my way through. So if I could eliminate that, because one of my goals next year, I wanna I don't want to make New Year's resolutions where I do new things. I want to make New Year's resolutions where I remove things that are just clogging up my schedule. But I'm also super keen. Such a classic sound. I've listened to too many Rogan podcasts. I'm so keen to start jujitsu next year. Maybe like, but I'm the kind of guy that I want to do it a few times a week. But if I do it a few times a week. Then all of a sudden there's like five extra hours by the time I travel uh, travel in, uh, you know, do my session, warm up, blah blah blah. Uh, I don't know if I've got time for it, so I've got to try and navigate that as well. 
but I think I'm going to eliminate a whole heap of stuff from, from my schedule. Because I, I walk this weird balance between I want to do more and I want to do less. I want the simple life, but I love being busy. Like, I want to have six weeks holiday every year, but I also love working. Like, everything I do is creative and fun, and on the most part. Some days I can't be bothered doing it, but I love the idea of just getting up and feeling refreshed and inspired and, and sort of motivated by what it is that I'm doing. So it's like, all right, what's the balance? Do I do I go, all right, well, I'm not going to... I'm not going to holiday as much, but I'm going to live each day more like a holiday. Or I'm going to just work hard and potentially, you know, say goodbye to a little bit of free time for 46 weeks of the year. But then for that six weeks, I have time off work. But I hate that feeling. I don't like being away from work for that long. So maybe I won't do that. Anyway, I'll keep you posted. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm, I'm listening to this book at the moment called The Biology of Belief, which is, if you haven't listened to it, do yourself a favor. The first four hours is pretty painful for me because I'm not... I've never been super interested in science. Like the first chapter, the first hour I was really interested in, then it started going down these like these rabbit holes of uh, of super sciencey terms. And my mind's already filled up with like all this day trading stuff that I'm trying to learn. So you start chucking more information at me and I'm just like, oh my brain, it's like, a, it's just, it's just like I can feel it stretching, which is obviously good, but it's also exhausting. So, um, uh, so there's only so much science talk I can take, but essentially what the guy's explaining is that the, the genes in our body are influenced by the environment or the blood that it's that it's in. So uh, our brain is essentially like the computer operator and our blood is, uh, or our genes is like the, the hardware. But that hardware can be manipulated and adjusted based on the messages that our brain is sending to it. So if you're in like a, if you're in a depressive state or a negative state or you're constantly sad or you're constantly bitter or you're constantly angry, uh, we've got this crazy capacity through um, it's almost like a, not a hypnosis, but it's like a, a deeper kind of affirmation that we can do when our brain's in like a certain state. I think they called it like a theta state, which is like the state that your, your brain's in from the age of zero to seven, where you're just super um, open to what's going on around you. You're, 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 super just, you're super just in the moment. And I think just as your conscious mind leaves your body or, or switches off as you're going to sleep, that's like that that pure theta state. I think I'm saying that right. And that's a really powerful time to 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 update that programming that took place in your mind as you were a young guy. It sounds super, it sounds super airy fairy kind of woo-woo, but the way he explains it's very rooted in in science. And so I've been trying to uh I've been trying to navigate that a little bit more and trying to put a little bit more energy into that. But there's a lot of science that um that's that was hard to get through. But then it gets to the the, the practical side of it, like how do you influence your genes? How does that make a difference to how you feel? He explains that like the certain messages that your brain sends out to your body has a certain reaction. So you might have like a certain programming where your brain just fires out these messages and it's like an anxiety message where your brain reads that as, okay, this is anxious, this is anxious state. I know how I act when I'm here. I'm tense, I'm uptight, I'm reactive, I'm impatient, I'm snappy, blah, blah, blah. That's just myself, I just explained. But um, but, but when you're not in that state, like life's so much more enjoyable, but it's just a matter of, of, of reprogramming that. So that's been a good book to read through lately, The Biology of Belief. I'm fascinated by mindset as well because I'm I, I like as a bloke who's so curious about it. I know there's just so much more room that I can uh, that I can, uh, you know, develop it. But uh, I love I love being happy. Do you know what I mean? I hate feeling like crap. So I love having tools and strategies to help me feel happy, even even when when life's a bit tough. And but I don't want to be that creepy guy where you're always happy and and you just bury down your emotions and you never experience grief and you just laugh your way through it and then all of a sudden you explode and kill a cat. That's that's not what I'm into. I'm into like tapping into real emotion, but just swaying my biology in the favor of um uh or in the direction of, of happiness and joy and you know growth. That's what I'm a little bit into. So uh, that's what I've been navigating. But Anyway, I think I think getting away from from Instagram social media has been really powerful in that sense because I, I genuinely feel better because especially here at the moment there's just so much talk. If I hear the word, I've only heard it twelve times. If I hear Omicron one more time, I, that cat could be endangered. I just referred to a moment ago, but um, but it's just good to get away from that because there's so many. Like I I get in this bad habit of like scattering. Like I'll I'll have a ten second break in my day, so I'll jump on and read some news, and then I'll I'll try and like remind myself of what I was doing, and then it takes me a while to get back into that into that deep that deep flow state of of work that I was in. So I'm thinking at the moment, and I constantly fail on this at the moment, which sucks for a uh, for a discipline bloke. Um, but I've got to I've got to work on that. 
uh, I constantly get excited and go, I'm just gonna check Instagram one more time. I'm just gonna check this news article one more time. I'm just gonna go check my YouTube channel one more time. I'll just, uh, I'll just check to see if such and such has responded to my text one more time. And this all through your day, you scatter that around and before you know it, you've just got no time left in your day. So I'm trying to go through the phase of going, all right, once a day, I can have a big check. I can navigate my way through that. I think that's why I'm interested in like, uh, check out Cal Newport, check out uh, Chris Gillibu. Gillibo, I think his name is, the minimalist I'm a fan of. Mario Kondo's cool as well. But um, yeah, my days are pretty chockers at the moment. So I've got to try and navigate ways to reduce like the uh, the amount that's going on, focus on quality. Find a happy little balance there. Anyway, that's what's going on with me this week. My mate sent me a video also this week of him shooting a snake. I wish I could show you. It's, um, <laughs> he's such a, it's, he lives on a farm in Perth. Right? Look at me. I just tell you about how I'm trying to improve this. I go straight to my phone. I say how I'm gonna I'm gonna work on this. But um, he lives on a farm in Perth. He sent me this video of him shooting a snake from about 30 meters away. Incredibly accuracy. Incredible accuracy. Um, but it's weird. I've got this weird relationship with guns as well, where I haven't I haven't really been exposed to them enough in my life to feel super comfortable around them. So I see my mate so comfortably shooting a snake in the head and go, oh my gosh, like this is intimidating for me to watch. Um, but, but anyway, I don't know why I just told you that, but it was a note on my page. What else did I have that I wanted to tell you? This is what I, I wrote down Jack Dorsey. I was going to talk about the fact that he just left Twitter as the CEO. Apparently he's on the board there till the end of next year. Um, what's that? A trip in public? I don't know what that, oh, I was going to, I'll tell you about that next time. Tripping over in public and trying to navigate your way through it. It's going to give you an update on my skateboard skills, which is, there's not much to report, but we got through most of it. But anyway, that's enough for me. I've been talking for an hour one, which as I say every week is, is more than enough time. Um, go watch it on YouTube as well. Don't forget, I'm putting all these episodes up on YouTube as well. So it'd be way worth it if you um if I started to get my, more of a YouTube following. <laughs> anyway, started at the bottom, now we're here. See you next week.